Welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast, episode number 36, about to kick off. It's been a little bit of a hiatus since Mikey and I have been back, uh, you know, in action, getting out some content for y'all. So today, uh, sports guy Chris here, of course, one of the uh, halves of the Balls and Beards podcast, of course, with my good friend Mikey as well. Um, I'll be flying solo today. Mikey and I will be back in tandem again very soon for episode 37. But for today in episode 36, it's just me today. I've got a couple segments out there for everybody. But um, of course, the NFL season is at its midway point. Going to stop in and give you a little bit of midseason NFL power rankings. And we actually are going to switch it up. We talk a lot of NBA and NFL primarily on the podcast. But today, I'm going to give you all some college football picks before tomorrow. and Before all the action kicks off, the college football season is also ramping up as well. We're about two-thirds of the way through the college football season and about at the midway point of the NFL season. So uh, as far as football goes, things are really starting to wrap, you know, amp up right now. We're going to start thinking about playoffs soon. You know, college football playoff, uh, as far as that goes, and so on. Of course, we have the NBA going on as well. So, next episode, we will have a heavy dose of NBA as well. But let's kick off today's episode 36 with some college football picks for you. So, on the season, we are actually 11, 7, and 1. If you've, you know, checked out our Patreon at all, we've been putting some college football picks on there all season long been a couple of weeks since we we did any but we're back this week i've zoomed in on four games that i really like this weekend so uh 11 and 7 and 1 for the season we'll see if we can build off of that game number one navy visiting Notre dame tomorrow the irish are ranked number eight no uh navy of course the midshipmen come in at two two and six this is a long time rivalry that goes way way back uh, kind of getting back on track. So, Navy and Notre Dame first met on the gridiron way back in 1927, and they had played every year up until last season when, of course, the COVID pandemic caused their game to be canceled, unfortunately. So, from 1927 to 2019, the Irish controlled the series, really dominated it, 77 wins uh, to 13 losses, one tie in there, an 852 winning percentage. So very, very heavy Irish, of course. Uh, they won the last three going back to 2017 and come into this one as heavy favorites once again. Notre Dame currently a 21-point favorite against the midshipmen. So what do we know about the midshipmen? Well, don't be fooled by their record. Uh, they are better than that 2-6 and six mark, mark might indicate. Um, against Cincinnati, who is currently, of course, number two across the board in all of the poll, polls. Excuse me. SMU, who is also ranked, and Houston, who is now ranked number 20. They lost each of those games by one touchdown. And those three teams are a combined 22-2 at the moment. So, uh, you know, being a rivalry series, I see this one being closer than that massive number would suggest as well especially considering when you take those three teams, you know, the best three that Navy has played so far this year, they've played their best football and managed to hang within a score of all three of them. I like Navy's chances to at least cover that massive spread. So what about the Irish? Well, they've steadily been improving each week and continue to gather victories and kind of stay afloat in the playoff conversation. They're currently ranked number eight. I have them ranked number eight as well. Um, and so what have they done the last few weeks? Well, they've shown that they can win with defense like they did earlier in the season against Wisconsin when they 
you know, um, had a slew of interceptions, including back-to-back pick sixes late in the game to turn a close game into a rout. They held USC to just 16 a couple of weeks ago, and then they can also win the close ones, 32-29 uh, to 29 at Virginia Tech recently. And then, of course, they can win a shootout, as evidenced by their 44-34 victory over North Carolina last week and the Tar Heels high-octane offense. So, prediction time, what is going to happen in this game? Well, the Notre Dame defense should be able to hold Navy in check and continue to build off of some of the momentum they've created it's always difficult, however, to prepare for Navy and their rushing attack, but the D should be able to do enough to get stops in key situations in this game. As for the Irish's offense, last week was a good sign, and they should be able to score some points in this one as well. Navy's defense has been a bit up and down this season, but have been surprisingly solid the last two weeks, holding number two Cincinnati to just 271 total yards in, that, in a narrow 27-20 loss, and then holding Tulsa to just 294 yards last week in a 20-17 road victory. This has all the makings of, you know, a comfortable but not runaway blowout victory for the Fighting for excuse me, for the Fighting Irish. They should get it done, but I'm expecting this one to be in the 13-17 to 17 point range as far as the differential. Take the midshipmen plus the three TDs and grab them on an alternative line if you can. There's a lot of them out there to feel even more confident. I'd grab the point or two, get them at plus 23, but I do believe Navy will cover the 21 points. Take the midshipmen plus 21 on the road in a rivalry game with Notre Dame. Uh, game number two, we shift over to the Big 12 where Texas is visiting Iowa State. The Longhorns have took to the road three times so far uh, in 2021 with mixed results. Their first road game of the season was a disappointing blowout loss way, way back in week two at Arkansas where they lost 40-21. Their second was a narrow 32-27 win at TCU and then last week's 31-24 loss at Baylor after leading 21-10 at one point in that game in the third quarter. So... The Longhorns have had trouble finishing games all season long. They had a massive lead uh, over Oklahoma at halftime, blew that one in the second half. So this is a bit of an ongoing theme. Iowa State tends to be pretty good at home. So what about the Cyclones? Well, they've been up and down so far this season as well uh, after coming in with probably the highest expectations in school history. They started in uh, the season ranked in the top five and were supposed to contend for the Big 12. They're still in that mix, but it's going to take uh, a little bit. So uh, with a pedestrian showing at the beginning of the year with Northern Iowa in their opener and then a loss to Iowa, they've kind of been trying to scrap back into the Big 12 mix, you know, and, and really get their season back on track. Um, they were in prime position after upsetting then unbeaten Oklahoma State names two weeks ago, but then last week they went on the road and suffered a 38-31 setback at West Virginia. So that now has the Cyclones at 3-2 in Big 12 play and 5-3 and overall. But with Oklahoma still on the docket, they need to win to stay alive in the race and can still factor in and work their way into that Big 12 title game. Um, and, you know, they have played better at home, of course, as the season has went on, but they are going to have to win this game to stay in that mix. So prediction time. Both Texas and Iowa State played Oklahoma State and Baylor close. Uh, as there appears to be not a whole lot separating that group of four teams in the Big 12. Uh, the Cyclones are more experienced, they've been better at home, and this is the time of year that uh, head coach Matt Campbell's teams 
have started to play their best football over the last few years. So expect a good game with the Cyclones pulling out a close one and relying on that home crowd. Take Iowa State to get it done. The points are a tad high for me. They're six and a half right now, but I do expect Iowa State to pull it out and get the W, and I'm taking them to do just that. So I'm going to take Iowa State money line to win the game. I'm going to stay away from the points, um, but I feel comfortable that the Cyclones get it done at home. Again, Matt Campbell's teams tend to play better this time of year and get it going as the season goes on. So uh, moving along, game number three. We're going to go to the American Athletic Conference, conference that has been surprisingly good. Yes, we all knew Cincinnati would be good, but SMU and Houston have been outstanding as well and both come into this week with just one loss on the season. So this one I've narrowed in on Tulane, 1-7 visiting uh, Central Florida, who comes into this one at 5-3 and three and has 13-point home favorites. So it's been an interesting ride for the Green Wave thus far. Their season can you know, best be summed up by two incredible halves of football they've played so far. The rest, unfortunately, has not been all that good. Those two halves just so happened to come against you know, Oklahoma in their opener when they outscored the Sooners 21-3 in the second half at Norman to nearly pull off a miraculous second half comeback. They ended up losing 40-35, but turned a blowout at halftime into a surprisingly close game at the end. Uh, and then the other was last week against number two Cincinnati when they managed to hang with the Bearcats in the first half and went into locker room down just 14 to 12. However, a 17 nothing second half from Cincinnati ended any chances of an upset, but the Green Wave showed what they are capable of uh, when when they bring their A game. So uh, the problem is it's been a slew of blowouts mixed in. So they are surrendering. 40.9 points per game on the season, and that number goes up even higher when you take out the 20 they gave up in their lone win against FCF, uh, SCF, FCS excuse me, opponent Morgan State. So uh, Central Florida, on the other hand, has not had problems scoring this year, averaging 34.7 points per game. They are also coming off their two best all-around performances of the season, holding both Memphis and Temple to just seven points apiece in the last two weeks, knocking off the Tigers 24 to seven, and then the Owls 49, excuse me, 49 to seven last week. So um, it appears while Tulane has kind of been able to put together a couple really good halves against their stiffer competition, the other games have been blowouts. It's been tough for them to hang in games. And Tulane ranks just 123rd in total defense, while Central Florida, interestingly enough, ranks 54th in both total defense and total offense. So, uh, prediction time. What do we expect to happen in this one? Well, you know, as we just talked about, the Green Wave are coming off that big-time effort at home against a very good Cincinnati team. And could be a bit energy drained after, you know, going into that one, a chance at getting a huge upset. It was basically, you know, their Super Bowl, their national championship. They're not going to go to a bowl game. Um, they played high energy and they gave the Bearcats all they can handle. Uh, you know, the Knights, meanwhile, they cruised in their last two games and appear to be hitting their stride right now after getting walloped by Cincinnati um, a few weeks ago. So there doesn't appear to be a way to me that Tulane is going to be able to score enough points to keep up in this one. And while, you know, there will be points scored, UCF should have no problem taking care of business in this one. I'm taking UCF to cover the spread. I like them to win this one somewhere in the ballpark, 38-21. to 21. 
you know, 45 to 28, somewhere in that general range. So I like them to win by at least 17. So I'm going to take UCF to cover that 13 point spread. Uh, and unfortunately for Tulane, keep the string of blowout losses <laughs> rolling along. So that brings us to our final game uh, for today and final prediction. We're going to go over to the Pac-12 for that one. USC is in action tomorrow night at Arizona State in the desert. Uh, the Trojans are going in as a 9.5-point underdog at the moment. So let's jump into the preview for this one. The Sun Devils came into the season with high hopes and aside from a road bump at BYU on September 18th, had gotten out to a strong 5-1 start, including an impressive win at UCLA. Their last two games, however, have been in stark contrast to that hot, excuse me, hot start. Going into their game at Utah on October 16th, uh, Arizona State had the number one second-half defense in the entire country and promptly jumped out to a 21-7 halftime lead. So you'd expect, all right, they cruise in the second half, get the win. Eh, not so fast. The, the wheels actually started to fall off, and they inexplicably got outscored 28 to zip in the second half by the Utes in that game and ended up losing by two touchdowns. So after a week off, one figured they'd be ready for a bounce back last week at home. Uh, Washington State came into town fresh off of firing their head coach. And furthermore, Wazoo had been one of the worst road teams in the country to that point. And so what did they do? Well, they went into Tempe and they beat Arizona State by two touchdowns as well, scoring 34 points in the process. So what should we expect out of Arizona State tomorrow night? Well, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about USC. Of course, the Trojans have been disappointing so far as well. They came into the season with high expectations, but have limped to a 4-4 four four record cost their coach their job earlier in the season as well. Um, interestingly enough, the Trojans have actually been better on the road so far this season um, than at home, going 2-1 and one so far with a pair of blowout victories at that same Washington State team and Colorado and a uh, mixed in with a 15-point loss uh, in South Bend to Notre Dame. So, you know, the road, the road sample has been fairly good for the Trojans, better than what they've done at home. So, let's go prediction time. Believe it or not, USC could still factor in the Pac-12 South race, but they're going to need to win out, and they're going to need to get some help along the way. Arizona State, of course, is still very much alive in that race as well, but are in the same position. They're going to need to win out. They're going to need some help along the way as well. So, Arizona State seems to be the better football team from top to bottom, but the last two weeks may suggest otherwise. I, I believe in the end the Sun Devils will put in some extra work on defense, you know, the defensive side this past week, and I think Herm Edwards is going to have that unit ready to play some better football. That being said, it is clear they've lost some confidence over the past couple of weeks. They're not playing like the team they were at the beginning of the season, so I don't believe this to be any kind of a runaway or a comfortable win. So with that... I'm going to take USC and the points there. That's just too many points, in my opinion, for how lousy Arizona State has played the last two weeks and for how good USC has actually played on the road. Buy the extra point, get that spread that spread to 10.5, and, and I take USC to cover 10.5 all day long. Um, I expect this to be a one-score game. I do feel like Arizona State's going to pull out the win, but I am definitely comfortable uh, taking USC to cover all day long. Take that extra point for insurance. Uh, plus 10.5 on the Trojans. And there you go. So, uh, four college football weeks before tomorrow's action. Uh, hopefully, uh, that'll help us all out. Um, 
me, you know, when it comes to the games tomorrow. So, anywho, Balls and Beards podcast. Um, back in action here, a little bit of college football picks for the first time, venturing into college football on that podcast. Of course, we've done that with some extra, you know, bonus Patreon content. So, uh, with that, we're going to take our first segment break, and we'll be uh, right back in just a moment, guys, where we're going to do some NFL midseason power rankings. Balls and Beards podcast, episode 36. Welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast, episode 36. Moving along, we uh, we kicked off this episode a little bit different. Some college football picks uh, for you this week. And, of course, sports guy Chris here flying solo. I'll be back with my partner, of course, Mikey, uh, for episode 37. In the meantime, uh, we're going to you know wrap up today. Going to kind of jump into some midseason NFL power rankings, how teams are shaping up. Where we're looking at there, of course, Mikey's Cardinals, of course, figuring in the mix, as well as my Packers. We played a heck of a game last Thursday night, so we'll touch on that a little bit. But let's jump into the Balls and Beards podcast NFL Power Rankings midseason right now for week nine. We're going to start at the back. And as I went about compiling these power rankings, it's kind of like there's basically four different groups of teams right now. So we'll get into that. We're going to start at the back end. So basically, um, this first group of teams is, look, they're just not that good. And, you know, really going to be nearly impossible to make the playoffs for this point. So, you know, let's jump right in. So nobody's surprised the Detroit Lions are bringing up the end of the pack at number 32 the only winless team left in the NFL. You could make the argument the Lions should have at least two victories on the season, but alas, they are still winless. So Detroit in at number 32. The Houston Texans at just 1-7 and seven are at number 31. Jacksonville Jaguars at number 30. The Miami Dolphins at number 29. Again, both of those teams just with one win. Uh, the Jets sneak in ahead of them at number 28 at 2-6. and six. Um, yeah, the last couple weeks here, throwing any quarterback they have on the roster out there, and these guys are throwing for 400, 300 yards. Uh, something else, it was uh, Josh Johnson last night uh, in relief of the injured uh, Mike White. So uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with the Jets. They're at number 28 right now. Number 27, the Washington football team. They are just 2-6 and six and probably one of the biggest disappointments so far on the season. A lot of folks were very high on that defense. Um I was not. I, I thought the pass rush would be fine, but their linebackers, not particularly good and not very good in the secondary at all. So you still have to have guys that can cover guys in this league, and, and that's what's happening to Washington. Uh, they may have good young pass rushers, but they need to round out that defense. Um, number 26, the New York Football Giants at 2-6. and six. And then at number 25, the Chicago Bears at 3-5. and five. The Bears, it's been a little up and down. It's difficult to envision a path of them being able to kind of work their way back in the playoffs after dropping their last two. So we'll see what happens there. But that first group of teams right now, not going to make the playoffs this year. You know, we'll just kind of see what happens, see how teams improve and so on and so forth. But that's going to lead us into our next little group of teams here. Um, you know, I, you know, as we get into this one, 
it's kind of like this group has alternated. So these teams have looked really good at certain points in the season and have looked really bad at certain points in the season so far. So, you know, let's jump into that. Number 24, the Atlanta Falcons at 3-4. and four. The Falcons were in a prime spot. They were 3-3. Three and three. They had won their last couple games going into a home game against Carolina last week. Carolina had lost four in a row. The Falcons were a home favorite, and they lost. So there, there you go. Atlanta 3-4 and four, missed a big opportunity last week. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are in in front of them at number 23 at 3-4. and four. Again, the Vikings looked fantastic in a win over the Carolina Panthers on the road a few weeks ago, scoring a bunch of points, throwing for a ton of yards against a team that had been pretty good against the pass. Um, but then, you know, they turn around and, and lose the following week. So Minnesota very much up and down. The Philadelphia Eagles are in at number 22. The Eagles have been an interesting team. They have a couple of big blowout wins on the on the uh, schedule so far. But it was over Atlanta and Detroit. So, you know, still trying to figure out just how good Philadelphia is. They're still trying to figure out, you know, kind of what they have there as well, whether, they're you know, Jalen Hurts will be the guy for the future and so on. Philly's in at number 22. The Seattle Seahawks are also 3-5. and five. They are at number 21. It is clear, obviously, they need to get Russ Wilson back, but unfortunately, they're, they're falling well behind the pace there with both Arizona and the LA Rams at 7-1, already three and a half games back of both of those teams. So Seattle is going to have some work to do once Russ does get back in the lineup. Uh, but it may be the Seahawks not making the playoffs for the first time in a while. At number 20, the Denver Broncos, of course, they started 3-0, lost four in a row, got a win um, last week to get to 4-4. Four four. At number 19, the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners come in, they're 3-4 right now. They're coming off a big win at Chicago last week to kind of get them going again. They, are, they have a big one ahead of them going against the Cardinals this weekend. Kylo Murray is going to be out with an ankle injury, so this will be interesting to see. The 49ers have a, a big opportunity here. Number 18, the Carolina Panthers. So of course, the Panthers started 3-0, lost four straight. Then they got a slight upset road win at Atlanta last week. So very much this group of teams has been very much up and down. Not quite sure what to make out of that group so far. There's about seven teams in that mix so all right around 500 or a game or two below so we'll see what happens with those teams moving forward that brings us to number 17 and the indianapolis colts the colts of course got a big win last night over the jets on thursday night that makes two in a row and that has kind of helped to get them going after a slow start they're now four and five they actually started the season one and four so three and one in their last four the colts are starting to come on a little bit a, they would be the only team that could push Tennessee in that division, so we'll see what happens there. The Titans, of course, looking pretty good, but they suffered a huge injury, losing Derrick Henry. So, um, you know, we'll get to them in a moment. But number 16, the Cleveland Browns, they are 4-4. Four and four. I think the Browns are better than the 16th best team in the NFL right now. But they are so injury depleted, and that was evident last week in that loss against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is offensively challenged. It's clear Ben, you know, the shelf life has expired on Big Ben. He's still trying to trudge through it and make one more run at it. But Pittsburgh is just not good offensively. When the defense shows up like they did last week and plays to their potential, this team can still win games. They can still cause problems. So therefore, in three, and Pittsburgh is in at number 15 right now in the power rankings, but 
we'll have to see what happens. If Cleveland can get healthy and start to string together some victories, you know, they should move back up. But for right now, the loss to Pittsburgh last week, coupled with the injuries, now they're working through <laughs> releasing Odell Beckham, all kinds of stuff going on there. So for right now, Cleveland has dropped back. Number 14, the Cincinnati Bengals. Talking about another team here in this AFC North, the Bengals had shot up the power rankings. I think I had them all the way up to number 7 going into last week's game against the Jets. And then a defense that had been playing good inexplicably got tore apart by Mike White. 405 yards making his first start of the season for, for injured Zach Wilson. It just was not a good showing. They end up losing that game by a field goal, give up a ton of points in the process. And that's a week after scoring their big victory blowout win over the Ravens. So, you know, Cincinnati, a young team that is still learning how to deal with success as evident by that inexplicable loss to the Jets last week. So the brakes have been pumped on Cincinnati. They're at number 14 right now, despite the 5-3 and three record. They've dropped behind a couple of other teams like Kansas City and New England. Some seasoned teams with seasoned coaches that are, you know, their team's starting to play a little bit better. That brings us to the Chiefs. They are in at number 13. That kind of rounds out this next little group of teams. So, you know, the Colts, Browns, Steelers, Bengals, Chiefs, with the exception of Cincinnati, all of those teams were in the playoffs last year. And not looking so good for, for right now. And I think most folks expected those teams to be in the playoffs right now. So this little group is is a group where teams that haven't quite lived up, up to expectations yet, I think everybody would have figured to see at least those four in the top 10 or top 12 at the midpoint, midway, midway point of the season and not in the middle of the rankings. So uh, that's that little group. That's going to bring us to uh, the final group here, the last 12 in the power rankings. The Las Vegas Raiders are in at number 12. They are 5-2. Of course, it, we we learned about the tragedy with Henry Ruggs on Tuesday night. He's been released. Um, you know, thoughts and prayers to the families affected in that situation, of course, um, going out there. It has been a whirlwind for the Raiders, losing their coach, um, you know, now and now with the Ruggs um, situation happening this past week and his prompt release and the emotions, of course, going through the locker room there. It, it'll be interesting to see how the Raiders respond as a team, um, you know, come Sunday when they go up against the Giants. They have come into town, but at five and two, they're still ahead of that, uh, you know, AFC uh, West division. And, uh, you know, over the Chiefs, over the Chargers, over some really good football teams. So we'll see if the Raiders can keep it going. At number 11, the New England Patriots, who are creeping up, creeping up. They're, they've won their last two. They're now 4-4 four and four, and right in the thick of the playoff mix. You know, Bill Pelichek is getting that defense to play well. Mac Jones is playing well as a rookie. The offense is getting a little bit better and a little bit better each week. They're getting more production from different places. The tight ends are starting to play well and get involved. Keep an eye on New England. This team is just starting to get better, and we're just at the midway point of the season. This could be a team, if they can continue to improve and improve, I would not be surprised if they're in the playoffs at the end of the year. And who wants to go against Bill Belichick in a playoff game? Nobody. So keep an eye on the Patriots. At number 10, another team that just shot in here, the New Orleans Saints. Of course, they lose Jameis Winston to the torn ACL, which is a big loss. But Simeon comes in, Trevor Simeon, and does just fine, plays actually really well, and leads them to the upset victory over Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. 
you have to move the Saints up after that. They're five and two now, and they're only a half a game behind Tampa. And of course, with the head-to-head win over Tampa, so the Saints are in at number ten in the NFL Power Rankings, riding that big victory last week. We'll see what they do. It sounds like Simeon is going to start this week. We'll see how that works out for them and how they respond now knowing Winston is lost for the season. If they can build upon the momentum from last week's big upset of Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, of course. Number nine, the LA Chargers. They were off. They're four and three. Um, you know, the Chargers, again, a, a bit up and down. They were hot. They lost a couple, got blown out at home by the Ravens. So we're still waiting to see what happens with the Chargers. By all accounts, they're a pretty darn good football team, though. When they everything is clicking, they look pretty good. They've been dealing with a little bit of injuries in the backfield as well and so on. They appear to be getting healthier. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Chargers and see, you know, what they respond this week. But they have all the makings they look like. Uh, a playoff football team through, you know, seven or eight games so far. At number eight, the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are 5-2, and two, of course. They have that big victory over the Chargers. They they were on bye last week, so they had a week to think about and mull over that surprising blowout loss to Cincinnati uh, the week prior. I expect, uh, you know, Baltimore to bounce back this week. They're 5-2 and two right now. They're looking good. Ravens should be in the mix. At number seven, the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's 5-2. and two. Uh, Bills are just doing their thing right now. It, it appears New England coming on will be the only team to push them there. Of course, the Jets and, and Dolphins are going to be non-factors in the race. So uh, I expect Buffalo to be able to close, coast excuse me, into the playoffs again. They've been playing well. The defense has been getting better as the season goes on. That was a big question mark. They've been improving. Uh, Josh Allen, of course, has been outstanding all season long. So keep an eye on them. Uh, and if that defense continues to improve, the Bills... Could be the team to beat in the AFC come playoff time. Number six, the Tennessee Titans. I have the Titans ahead of them, moving up, of course. They're 6-2. and two. Um, They beat Buffalo a couple weeks ago in a great game, 34-31 uh, football game. So you got to have Tennessee ahead of Buffalo right now. The loss of Derrick Henry, of course, uh, a week ago is huge. You know, the, the foot injury loss for the season. I mean, that guy was on pace to have a record-breaking year. He really was. He he probably, yeah, not probably, there's been some other great candidates, but, but very much would have been in that MVP conversation. And if he kept on pace, the pace he had been on, um, very much might have, might have took home the MVP. But either way, that is a huge loss for Tennessee. We will see how they respond. They still have A.J. Brown playing good, Tannehill playing good. Their defense has been improving. The defense was atrocious at the beginning of the year. They have steadily been improving as the season goes on. Because of that win, um, you know, over over Buffalo, I've got Tennessee just ahead of the Bills at number six right now. At number five, Mikey's Arizona Cardinals. Going into the Green Bay game last week, I had the Cardinals number one, as I'm sure most people did. They had looked impressive. They were unbeaten. They had a couple impressive blowout victories over other good teams, most notably the Rams, and uh, a win at Cleveland where they didn't even have their head coach because of COVID. They were dealing with COVID protocols, went on the road and blew out uh, the Browns. That was an impressive one as well. So last week, though, they get beat by the Packers at home. Of course, Green Bay was missing their top three wideouts due to COVID, also missing their top two defensive players due to injury. Uh, in their best pass rusher in Zadarius Smith, best secondary player in pro bowler Z- um, Zaire Ag- Ag- Alexander, excuse me, as well. So 
missing those two guys, they were expected to, you know, it was expected to be a rough road maybe for Green Bay going into this one. Uh, yes, DeAndre Hopkins was banged up, but he was in and out of the game and, and did make, a, you know, have an imprint on the football game. He was on the field for about 50% of the game. So while he wasn't there every snap, he was a factor in the game. Uh, and, and, you know, let's be honest, Green Bay did everything they possibly could to try and blow that game. They were atrocious in the red zone. Arizona gave them the ball on the three-yard line in the first half, and they settled for a field goal. They drive all the way down, have an Aaron Jones touchdown overturned on the one-inch line, and then throw three passes from there and can't score for a goal line stand at the end. So, uh, But the defense stepped up. They made the pick in the end zone. A.J. Green looked a little lost, of course, on that, on that final play of the game, but... Uh, you give the credit to the Green Bay cornerback there. Who, he made the juggling catch, hauled it in for the interception. And, you know, Green Bay was able to get it done. So Arizona drops to number five, mainly because they were playing a depleted Green Bay team at home. Yes, the Packers are good. They've been playing good. But they were nowhere near 100% and, and tried to give the game away to Arizona. It didn't happen. The Cardinals still end up losing. So... Things tempered a little bit. Now, Kyler Murray out this week. We'll, we'll see what happens with that one. I've got the Cardinals at five right now. Honestly, anywhere from two to five, I'm not going to argue with that. Arizona's been outstanding aside, you know, from last week. And even that being said, they nearly pulled out the win over Green Bay. So, number four, I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks. Even though they're coming off a loss uh, against New Orleans, New Orleans somehow is Tom Brady's apparent regular season kryptonite. They're 3-0 and against Tom here in the regular season in the last two seasons. So uh, Tampa is going to have to figure out a way to deal with <laughs> New Orleans at some point. Uh, but for now, you got to like what they've been able to do against pretty much everybody else. They have the road loss at, at L.A. as well. But, um, you know, Tom Brady's still playing at a very high level. He's throwing four touchdown passes <clears throat> in pretty much every game this season like it's his job. Um, you know, Tom's been playing great. They, of course, returned all their starters from last year. No reason why not to like Tampa Bay. At number three, I've got the L.A. Rams. They are 7-1. They're playing good. Their only setback, of course, was that loss to Arizona. Uh, you got to like what the Rams have been doing. They're healthy. Uh, and then they went out, of course, and, and, uh, and picked up Von Miller from Denver as well. So while I don't know how much that trade moves the needle, you know, Von Miller from four years ago, I would say uh, big time. Von Miller right now, it I mean it's at it, it, it's an added player that has experience, playoff experience, and you know could probably be a help boost in that locker room and so on and so forth. But you know the other thing is 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 this team is starting to get very thin on draft picks now. They've made a ton of trades the last couple of years. Draft capital is lacking, and because of that, they're not a very deep team. The Rams are not deep at all. So if this team can stay healthy, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. They are looking very good with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. But if they start to suffer some injuries, it, it could be difficult at that point. The depth is just not there. So this is a very top-heavy football team. As long as they stay healthy, things look good. Right now they are healthy. So we'll see you know, how things go going forward for the Rams. They're in at number three. Number two, the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are 6-1. and one. They look outstanding offensively defensively they have been maybe the biggest surprise so far in the nfl how good that unit has played dan quinn the former falcons coach coming over he has worked wonders with that defense of course they brought in a couple guys in free agency and the draft and those players have worked out well so far so 
hats off to the Cowboys. Offensively, they're clicking. They've got a ton of weapons everywhere. You know, uh, Pollard has come on as as a second running back. You know, that's helped give them a little bit of a one-two punch in the backfield with Elliott. Michael Gallup's coming back now. CeeDee Lamb has looked like a number one wide receiver, and they already have one with Amari Cooper. So you got to like what the Cowboys are doing. They're in at number two, and that brings us to number one midseason in the NFL power rankings. Yes, it's my Green Bay Packers. How could it not be? They went on the road. They knocked off the only undefeated team. They were super depleted. Top three wide receivers missing. Top two defensive players missing. And they go on the road and get it done over an unbeaten Arizona Cardinals team. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is COVID positive. Yes, Aaron Rodgers will not be on the field Sunday when the Packers visit the Chiefs. And Jordan Love will make his first start. It's going to be a difficult spot. But as of right now, with how things are, the Packers in at number one. Got, they continue to win to despite being depleted all season long. They've been missing uh, Jair Alexander for weeks. They've been missing uh, Smith for weeks. They're top two defensive players. But they're getting some great um, production from other areas. Other guys stepping up. Rashawn Gary, first-round draft pick from a couple years ago. He's really coming in, into his own. This is a physical football team. It's a gritty football team. Maybe something the Packers have lacked the last couple seasons in, in losing in the NFC title game, of course, to Tampa and San Francisco the year before. You have to like those factors. And there's it's not a given Kansas City will win this game on Sunday. Of course, you know, they have to like their chances a lot better with no Aaron Rodgers. But the receivers are back that were missing last week. And Kansas City has struggled. Yes, they got the win. They got back on track. But they it was 20-17 to 17 over a depleted Giants team that was missing Saquon Barkley. Uh, Galladay, Shepard, and their top receiving threats as well. So a depleted New York Giants team gave Kansas City all they can handle there um, uh, in Arrowhead last week. So Arrowhead, a difficult place to go for Jordan Love making his first career start. Definitely understand that. But it's not a given that the Chiefs will win this game. We'll see what happens. Green Bay's healthy in the backfield. They're still going to have that one-two punch with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Kansas City, guys, they've struggled to stop the run, and that's been a theme over the last couple seasons. So we'll see what happens. But for now, mid-season NFL Power Rankings, Green Bay Packers, number one. There you go, guys, for the NFL Power Rankings, of course, um, as we wind down episode number 36 of the Balls and Beard podcast. I've enjoyed doing it, guys. I will look very, look forward very much to being back in action with my partner, Mikey, on the next go-around. We will give you all kinds of great uh, NBA content. And, of course, we will have an updated NFL Power Rankings for you as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll get Mikey's take on how he feels about where his Cardinals are, of course, and so on and so forth. But Balls and Beards Podcast, Episode 36. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy all of the great, uh, you know, college football action tomorrow, and all of the great NFL action on Sunday. We will be back again next week with some great content. In the meantime, enjoy the weekend. Balls and Beard Podcast, Episode 36.